Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. Hello, JWM family. A couple of weeks ago, on a Sunday, I had spent the morning on Twitter. The intention was to learn what fellow South Africans have to say about the increasing rate of firmicide in the country. Now, for those who are not familiar with the term firmicide, please refer to episode 16 of the show and then kindly rejoin this discussion. My Twitter search was driven by the partial motivation to find out what happened to Tsokhofadzo Bule, an eight-month pregnant woman who was stabbed several times and found hanging on a tree. The search did not reveal much about Tsokhofadzo's brutal murder, but what I did discover was slightly more frightening and sickening. In recent years, as many as 400 and something women have been brutally murdered by their spouses and people unknown to them. While I was searching, there were people tweeting about recently missing loved ones. Most times, stories of the search never end well. A tweet by at K Patuma read, Every three hours, a woman is murdered in South Africa. 2,930 women were murdered in 2017 and 18. That's 56 murders a day. The Global Peace Index statistics show that the violence in South Africa is similar to countries at war or in conflict. As some of you already know, domestic abuse and violence narratives are a trigger for me. Growing up, having witnessed my mom be involved in physically and emotionally abusive relationships, followed by finding the early adult me trapped in similar situations, never neglect to show gratitude that my mother got out alive and so did I. This is not the case for many, many South African women. So after a couple of hours on Twitter and feeling incredibly helpless, I go live on the journey with Mpo Instagram account. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do about the plight of South African women. So I'm crying and pleading with everyone, anyone, and the only person in that live video was Melissa. That's how her and I recently reunited. We are longtime high school friends, and if there's anyone who could tell you about the younger boy crazy Mpo, it's her. (laughs) Hi Melissa, welcome to Journey with Mpo. 
Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Those were the days, Aula. I enjoyed your stories. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to partake in our first, first ever remote interview. I know my first ever as well so I feel completely honored and thank you for choosing to have me um, as your guest so yeah thank you super super excited Melissa our reunion our reunion (laughs) (laughs) our reunion conversation was rich and lengthy Connecting with you started the healing process for another part of me that still suffered. I realized I cannot continue to mentally go back to that place. So I just wanted to thank you for making me realize that there was still a part of me that was getting triggered by stories like this. Yeah. Um, You're welcome. I don't know what happened or how we actually ended up speaking that night, I guess. It was things outside of us that brought us together. Um, but it can be very difficult. I, I tend to check up on certain friends that I know who've also been through um, abuse with their partners in the past. And when things like this come up, a lot, of, a lot of women get triggered. A lot of women are scared. A lot of women who haven't experienced this also don't know how, what or how to feel about themselves there families mm-hmm. of ones. So it is a it is quite a triggering time for women. And um, we just had another another I don't know if you heard Justice for Kwasa. She just got stabbed recently, I think the news broke out two days ago, if I'm not mistaken. Nineteen, she was a Fitz University student. Um, and she, I think, went to her boyfriend to break up with him, and he stabbed her to death and then committed suicide himself. So, oh, wow. yeah, so it still continues. It's still here, and um, there's obviously a lot of stories, and you can't exactly know which is the true story and which isn't, because, you know, a lot of people say a lot of things about. A specific situation but this is what happened she was killed by her boyfriend and we are outraged again south africa is outraged yet again mm-hmm. yeah i have so many questions regarding your thoughts about this whole thing and i'll get into them later too i don't want to get ahead of myself <laughs> True. so before melissa and i get started Um, If you guys don't already know, Melissa and I are discussing gender-based violence, mainly in South Africa. Please note, we are not health or medical professionals, just two friends who have experienced instances of abuse. The opinions or advice we share is solely that, our unendorsed opinions. We hope this discussion will inspire thoughts, spark necessary conversations, and lead us to a place of helpful action. (sighs) Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, Melissa. I'm a little bit excited, but I'm also like wary. Yeah. You know, like why? I'm treading lightly. (laughs) Really? Why is that? Mm -hmm. 
when we are talking gender-based violence in South Africa, there's a fine line between seeking a solution yeah. and victim blaming. Yeah. So I try to make sure that I'm checking myself as I speak. Yeah. You know, I'm like, are you thinking about that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because that's very important as a survivor i cannot speak for other people's experiences i can only speak of my own yeah you know, so yeah for sure it's just that checking yeah. <laughs> that kind of makes me know. for sure especially in this day and age <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. for sure okay let's jump right into it how important do you think it is for women who experience domestic violence to share their stories it's very important but i don't i wouldn't say that it's something that should be forced um i think it should be done when the the woman is ready to tell her story as well because I don't think it's fair to force somebody to tell a story they're not quite ready to tell um, everyone in their own time but I think the most important thing about telling our stories is how we tell them um, because we often tell our stories from a victim mentality kind of place and we relive the experience instead of speaking about it from a more empowered um, warrior turned my wounds into battle scars kind of place. I think that's where we should be going forward um, with mm-hmm. our stories. But I think it's super, super important to share your story always. I think it's important because we have kids every day. So there are people growing up unaware of these things all the time. So we are in charge of the future generations and it's important to tell these stories for educational purposes, for awareness, um, and also for support to know that, oh my God, I'm not the only one that actually went, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Oh, okay, so I was right. I definitely resonate with the how you tell the story You know, I think that's a very, very big part of telling the story. I hear you say you have to tell it in an empowering way so you don't feel like the victim. But then I also think about instances where I've related to stories that have been told in the victim's voice because it's vulnerability, right? When you see that a little bit of that vulnerability, you're like, okay, it's safe to come out. This is a, it's reassuring in some sense, but there are times where that empowerment needs Mm -hmm. to come in and you can't stay in that place for too long. And that's the problem about retelling our experiences, whether Mm -hmm. positive or bad experiences, right? We can stay in that same place and not move forward. Yeah, for sure. We're stuck there. We're living. That's our story. That's the story of our life right now, that we're victims. Mm. So we live as victims. We act as victims. We think as victims. That's what we Mm. believe we are. So it's very important to Mm. definitely let it out. Talk to somebody. Let it out. If you're angry, let it out. Let it all out. Mm. But when you do come forward and you want to sell the story as, as something that's been a part of your life in a, in a significant way, then that's when it is time to change the narrative. And changing the narrative when you also feel like you're ready to change it 
But the problem with that is that we can get too comfortable in our story that we may never feel ready to change the narrative. Um, That's so true. Yeah, we may not realize that we've already healed sometimes because we're so used to telling the story. It's just comfortable being the victim sometimes. So we also need to be wary of those sorts of things. Self-awareness is always key in everything that we do. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's so true. It's being in tune with yourself. For sure, knowing where you at. Mm, mm. When we flip the coin a little bit to think about the importance of telling stories, the flip side of this is what are the things that prevent women from sharing those kinds of stories? Definitely beliefs. Um, the, mm. the kind of beliefs and system that we grow up in. Also, after going through such a traumatic experience, it kind of changes you psychologically. You are traumatized. Um, sometimes you don't want to be seen mm. a certain way or you think you're going to be seen a certain way and um, you choose mm. not to tell that story. Sometimes you've already tried to. Maybe you don't know or you didn't know how to, but maybe you've tried and it got brushed off or someone told you you were crazy the first time you tried. So you thought, okay, I'm going to keep it to myself then. Um, I don't want to sound crazy. Sometimes you feel, it may feel like um, you're being a burden to people. It may feel like, you may also want to look at it as... um, strength to deal with it on your own but it's actually not strengthening it at Mm. all as well um it might be personality traits maybe you're just not somebody that opens up very easily so you you go further into your shell um Mm. and yeah i think also just growing up how comfortable were you in expressing yourself growing up and expressing your emotions how how much was your environment conducive to um, you being allowed to say however you feel at any moment and any point in time? Also, your support mm-hmm. system. Do you have people that you feel like you can talk to? Because maybe sometimes people want to talk to people, but they don't feel like they have the trusted circle of mm-hmm. friends or family. Or maybe mm-hmm. therapy wasn't something that was encouraged. So it's looked down upon and that's like, okay, no, I'm not going to therapy, hell no. Um, And yeah, stigmas, Mm. definitely. Societal stigmas, uh, maybe things seen on the internet Mm. or, yeah, or or it could be just plain uncomfortable. You just, you just, you don't know, you don't have the words. It's plain, like it's, it's so uncomfortable or it's too painful to even speak about it. I think those are some of the factors that can contribute to that. So many good things that you raised. It kind of ties in with my next question, which was going to be, how do we help when stories are being shared? Because obviously human instinct wants to help. So how do you help? But I think it is so important to create intentional spaces of support you know, where we don't try and control the narrative or try and do anything. Sometimes people just want to be heard. And as 
a community yeah. and a global community in that fashion. We are so disconnected from each other that we barely give people the gift of listening to each yeah. other. And so I hear all these things that you're saying, yeah. you know, having a good support system, learning for my, I think for myself, how to be a good friend, a good, you know, sister and just listen, like, yeah. don't, you don't have to do anything about it, but just yeah. give your attention and say, okay, now that we yeah. have spoken about this and you have shared what you have shared, what is it that you want? And if there is nothing being comfortable with the nothing, you know, because I think sometimes we get disheartened and we're like, well, yeah. they don't want to leave or they're making excuses or whatever, but it's, not really our choice because we'll never truly know, you know. In Sesotho, they say, mm. you know, I may have gotten it mixed up, but it, it basically mm. in English translates to if you're sitting in a chair and it's really, really, really hot, only you know how hot that chair is. You know, I cannot stand from the side and be like, oh, hey, no, sure. keep sitting. It's not that hot. I mean, or you should probably get up now. And so mm. it's a really sad thing to try and navigate and try and help with because there's so many I think each time something happens to a woman in South Africa there's initiatives and there's conversations and there's things happening in the background mm -hmm. but never really solidified life-changing solutions yeah and I mean all the hashtags in the world are not going to change it's not going to change, it's not going to create changed behavior. It's definitely going to create awareness, which is exactly what we need. And this is the tough part because change begins with you. So as much as you want somebody to change, as much as you mm -hmm. want changed behavior, you cannot change somebody if they don't want to change or, they don't, or if they don't see the need to change for themselves. Um, and that's why I was telling you in the conversation we had mm. that it, mm. it dates far back. It's, um, it's, a, it's a mentality thing. It's a childhood trauma thing. It's a, it's a growing up thing because babies aren't born evil. Babies don't think of rape. They don't think of killing. They don't, they don't think of those things. So for me, um, the solutions are within our hands now i feel because clearly what has been done so far is is the result of what we have so if we feel that we need to we need change we, we are the ones who need to start mm. stepping up um and like i said it starts with the younger generation mm. it starts with awareness in that place because sometimes you grow up in homes that don't really talk about these things openly um or they don't really bring awareness to mm. the kind of situations and and um, reality that we do live in, and they don't we don't learn much about self awareness, and knowing that because you're angry at something, it doesn't mean that you can hit the person you're with, you know, um, knowing that that's not learned behavior, especially if you're growing mm. up in an abusive home, that's even worse because <laughs> that's that's the life that you we do know. Mm -hmm. So we do need to create systems um, and like you said, safe spaces uh, mm -hmm. in more public areas and in our community for 
these kinds of discussions for encouragement also from the guys because yes the girls are going through it and it's it's so it's terrible and it's the worst thing you can ever go through and no one deserves to go through that but um it's an even it's an even bigger cry for help from the guys they don't know how to deal with their emotions they don't know how to deal with themselves their egos um their insecurities and this is how they are dealing with it this is their reaction to all of those things so it's also i think it's also important to create self awareness sort of classes or seminars with guys um to show them that it's okay to feel this way it's okay to be upset it's okay to do this it's just that this ego driven behavior is not the answer either Mm-hmm. That's such a powerful um thing to note. This is a discussion between two fe- females and I hope in the future we can bring the gentlemen into yeah. the conversation, but I think vulnerability in men is such a oh. sexy thing. Like I keep telling my guy friends this. I'm like, "Please, like you don't have to be the guy here. You can just be human." and you can be you and if you want to cry and if you feel like things are going in a bad direction then yeah, yeah and be real with me like you don't have to yeah. put up a face and a wall like there's no expectation in my and and this is what I tell um Michael yeah. too my husband you know there's not an expectation for him to provide I don't want him to feel overwhelmed like oh i'm the guy i'm supposed to be doing this and yeah. this and this and this yeah. times have changed and i too can be an equal party women are fighting for equal pay and that's what it means too like equal emotion in yeah. the house too you don't have to feel burdened by our responsibilities yeah. and i think that's what i find culturally and tribally in a lot of south african cultures like the men indota must do this and this yeah. and this and this I'm like guys these people are human they are earning just as little as women are in the country you know they're trying to make ends meet they come from families that are still coming out of oppression you know so so many different things at play i can see not making excuses ever at all for any yeah. kind of you know meltdown or tantrum but i could see where it would yeah. be coming from and you said something about you know um men dealing with the inner the yeah. inner demons it's like there's helping a man deal with his inner yeah. demons right and being in the firing line of those demons. Yeah. What do you think are oh, some of the God. red flags women should take seriously oh, in the early God. stages of a relationship? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I loaded it up. <laughs> you did. You did. You set up the firing line. <laughs> oh, God. And um yeah to that point I I wish I had someone like me to say all these things that I'm about to say as well mm. because sometimes guys are aware of their insecurities I was with a guy who was aware of his insecurities he was aware of his emotions he was aware of what he was doing but he still chose to do it anyways mm. so now it's about us being able to recognize that and saying uh uh-uh, uh 
this is not, not for me. Mm. Um, so I think some of the red flags, definitely any sort of controlling behavior, mm. any sort of control being imposed onto you. No, you can't speak to this person. Why are you doing this? No, you can't wear that. No, you can't uh, say that. No, you can't speak to this person. No, you can't go to your friends. No, you can't see your mom. No, you can't. Mm. That kind of controlling behavior as well. Let's go home. It's time to go home. You can't go to this place. That's mm. number one. No one should be able to tell you what to do. You should feel free and encouraged to be yourself, to have the friends that you have. Um, the relationship should be based on trust, not control. Mm. And uh, yeah, definitely any any slight comments or um, su suggestions that put you down, any backhanded compliments, weird comments on, let's say, your body, or if they compare you to other women, or make you feel insecure in any way, especially if it's in a way you've never felt by yourself. Um, I think if he doesn't want to be involved in your life, in, in, a, in a very important part of your life especially, I think that's, that's an interesting red flag. Um, also, it's very important mm -hmm. to understand the person's background, understand um, how they grew up, understand mm -hmm. what their relationship mm -hmm. is with their mom and their dad and their family just in general. Uh, I think that's an important aspect to look at. I think you can learn a lot from a person by learning about how they grew up and their relationship with their parents. Um, and also mm. any obvious behaviors like anger issues, uh, substance abuse in any sort of way. And, and patterns. Patterns can also be a red flag. Sometimes it's not obvious right at the beginning, but if you notice a pattern that doesn't sit right with you, then you have to address it. So maybe, you know, you fight and then you think it's over and apologize. Oh, okay, changed behavior for like two days. Then you find yourself in the same pattern, in the same cycles. If you are in the same cycle with someone, that is a red flag. You cannot, there's no growth. You're stuck in a cycle. That's a huge red flag. Um, yeah, and that's what I can think of at the top of my head. I'm sure there's plenty, plenty more. Yeah, yeah. I think in the initial stages, for me, it's so important to date someone who comes with a reference. And when I say mm -hmm. reference, I mean friends who may yeah. know him or um, family members that may know him like dating someone who other people can tell you about not because you're going to believe what those people tell you about that person but you'll get a better understanding of a side of himself that he's shown to other people and you may have not necessarily seen so when he does show you sides of himself you'll have good reference, you know, we like, oh, one bunny, one said, maybe this is like trying to knit the story together, trying to knit the person together. 
now there will be a lot of sifting of what's true and what's not, but it helps, you know, even when it comes to holding someone accountable. I think it's very easy for someone who has no reference, has no family of yours to be accountable to, to do something so horrific. Now, I think it's even more twisted for someone who has met your family, has met all of your friends to do something twisted. I'm like, well, you just want twisted person, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So reference to me is like just a little bit important and it helps fledge out the red flags. Now, sometimes, hey, sister, me faulty, young. So I can't tell the red flags, hey? I'm just like, "Uh, is it me? Because you go through a little bit of, Okay, well, first for me, it was like, you see your my mom go through a little bit of this violence and abuse. And then I go through it a little bit. But now I'm questioning myself. I'm like, well, I didn't get hit. So am I being dramatic? Or, I mean, he did make a threat, but he didn't do it. And I don't know of any girlfriend that he's done it to. Is it me? So you start kind of questioning your ability to detect those red flags and nip them in the butt before they become something bigger and by the time they are something bigger you're like oh god damn it this person's been showing me who they are and this is like one of my last relationships before I got married this person's been showing me who they are but I was so in love with the version of them that I had created in my mind that it was so difficult to see them as who they are yeah We're so, we can be easily blinded by what we believe is love. Um, And it's not. It's just that we care so much for this person and we don't want to see any faults in them. We don't want to believe that this is what it is. And we can't be so blinded by that. Um, And um, to your point about the friends, um, I do hear you. Although I think that it's still very, very possible to know somebody's friends, know their life, and still only know the true them behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, a side of them that no one else in their life actually gets to see but you. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just an experience I had. I felt like I was with somebody who, even his own friends, I don't believe, saw him the way I saw him. And because it's a very intimate space, so you get to see them, you become their mirror. and. Um, you get to see a lot. You get to see a lot that I don't think anybody outside of that space gets to see sometimes. So back to what you were saying of doubting yourself at some point, that's why you have to trust your intuition as well. Um, And you have to, and that's where self-love comes in. Because if you love yourself, you will not tolerate anything less than that love. You will not tolerate anything less than what you think is your worth. And sometimes, you know, we are blindsided by love and that's the way we do get to love ourselves even more through the experiences we go through. I think that's so, so, so important. The part about self-love. My he- the difficulty in my healing process wasn't getting over what had happened or what I think had been done to me or what I had what role I had played in everything it was that I had not loved myself enough to walk away that was that was like uh 
at the end of the day that's how the argument ends you know you can say this person did this this person showed me but what did you do and in the instances where you did nothing why not and the question circles right back to self-hate it's like you hated yourself you found yourself in a position where you said i can settle for this i am okay with this i kind of deserve this you know and to have that kind of a bad relationship with yourself is so detrimental not just in relationships but in friendships in workplaces in everything you know because you have to love yourself like no one will love you as much as you can love you you know and if you're willing to love other people then maybe you should love you (laughs) yeah yeah for sure and i mean love sometimes is not all roses and hearts sometimes love is no sometimes love is leaving that situation that you know is not helping you or serving in any way no matter how much you love this person no matter if they're your family no matter like what knowing that self-love is walking away from situations that you don't want to walk away from sometimes and I mean, it's also very important to forgive yourself because you are only as wise as you were. You know what you know now because of what you went through then. So it's only fair to, to forgive yourself and to love that inner child within you because that inner child was being shown to you throughout that whole relationship. Because, I mean, there's two. it takes two people. As much as it's, it does hurt us, we're both in this relationship together. And he was a mirror to me as much as I was to him so whatever he was reflecting back was all me you know and like he said it showed you what you were tolerating it showed you what you was what you were settling for it showed you what you took um it showed you what you accepted and all of that is self-love because you now know what you will not tolerate anymore you now know what it feels like to be in a position that is not serving as very harmful to you um, and you now know what it feels like to make decisions that are not self-serving and you will not make those decisions again it's in your awareness now because well if you do then i guess that's a cycle and maybe there's something else you need to learn from that and <laughs> that cycle but um it's very important to forgive yourself because that's the person at the end of the day that we need to forgive the most in any situation no matter what it is at the end of the day the person you need to forgive the most is yourself well like you said allowing yourself to go through it choosing to stay for experiencing that that you otherwise wouldn't want to but um I always say that I wouldn't change a thing and if I had to experience everything I experienced, I'd do it again. <laughs> I'd do it again. I don't know. <laughs> I would. Because I've become such a dope ass woman. Like I wouldn't have outside of those experiences. Um and I made it, you know, I'm still in one piece. I made it. <laughs> it's like, okay. If I can go through that, I can go through anything. Yeah. I think when I say I wouldn't, it's not that I'm not appreciative of the woman I have become now because of that. I feel like the woman now still sometimes has moments of sliding in and back 
in and out of yeah. memories of trauma. You know, trauma is very hard to erase from the mind. And so simple thing, simple thing. I'm, I'm not a hugger. I'm not a hugger. <laughs> and I had to think about it, you know, because someone else at work saw me get a hug and looked at my face and they were like, oh, Jesus, what was wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I just feel uncomfortable if someone wants to hug me. And now that I'm in the healing process of a lot of things, I'm opening up. I'm like, okay, I can hug. And there's people I love to hug. I'm like, okay, we can do this. But I recall a situation like in the healing process that I was undergoing, trying to, to, to determine why I don't like hugs. I recall a situation yeah. being choked, you know, in a hugged position. And I realized it's not that I don't like hugging. It's that there's a part of my brain that still associates hugging with being suffocated and with being choked i literally have had to push people away and be like oh no you're squeezing me too hard but i think if that if this me hadn't gone through that i would have been lighter i'm like oh it's hugs come on guys let's hug and yeah you know like less affected and i realized like unpacking trauma heavens is not an easy task it's a thing that you think you have dealt with and then you watch a movie and it's that same narrative is in a movie or it's in a song or something yeah. and you realize you still have to unpack another layer of that trauma yeah. work through it you're like okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now there's a little bit more to do <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, it, it sort of, it does break my heart a little bit that our generation has so much healing to do. It's like, it feels like we're healing very, very deep, deep subconscious wounds that we didn't even know existed or it was playing out in our lives. But um, it also feels like the most powerful generation because of that reason. Um, the healing never stops. Like, it just... You think you're over something and you're like, oh God, this again, I thought I was over this. But it's like, nah, you're not over this. <laughs> or at, at least maybe you are part of, um, over a, a certain aspect of it, but there's another layer to it that you need to unpack, um, that you need to deal with that's affecting your life or affecting your thinking or affecting how your perspective. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's healing is messy it's so it's messy it's painful in the beginning but at some point it, it does become interesting you you start welcoming it in a way that's like okay i'm gonna grow from this you start looking forward to the transformation that comes from you because once you feel something you're transformed you move from someone who didn't like hugs to someone who's the biggest hugger in the world <laughs> you know and it comes from a place of love now it comes from a place of wanting to spread that love and expressing the love that is you um yeah so it's, it is very important to heal and it's very important to have support again in the healing process um and love yourself through it all like be very so important to be gentle with yourself to be very very gentle with that inner child because that's who you're dealing with you're dealing with that child that went through those traumatic experiences the child that had to hide away the child that 
took it all in and didn't know what to do with it and just it became part of your makeup mm -hmm. so rewiring yourself is a real thing <laughs> it's a real 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 thing yikes so i'm gonna shift the conversation a little bit still slightly trying to figure out gender-based violence right women intuitively engage their maternal instincts to care for men in their lives what is the difference between mothering versus building with your partner Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a very fine line because it's mothering wifing and then growing <laughs> um um, the difference for me, uh, I would say, is when, you, when you're growing with your partner, like you said in the beginning, you guys are equal. Um, you're able to communicate, there's open communication. There's, an, there's almost like an equal amount of, of effort and energy being exchanged. Um, and mothering is... It's when there's there's no changed behavior, honestly. It's almost like you, it feels like you're cleaning up after them, or you'll keep telling or reprimanding your man at some or your partner. Let me say this this day and age, um, there are many there's different sexual orientations, but your partner when you feel like you have to reprimand your partner, reprimand your partner, sorry, and nothing's being changed. Um, that's almost that's like mothering almost. When you feel like you want to do every single thing for this person, everything, you want to wake up and I'll make the bed. It, it could communicate in, in very small, subtle, everyday things as well. Or we also, as women, we grow up being taught that it's very important to cater to your man and his needs at all times. And I feel like that should be done out of love not because I'm obligated to do so or not because I that's the definition of what me as a woman or yeah of who me as a woman is in this relationship with my man or my partner and it's not that I want to be able to cater to him because it's coming out of love and because he had a tired and long ass day and I feel empathy and I'm like oh I want to take care of you because that's what I would do for myself. So I want to extend that self-love to you too. But growing with somebody um, comes from communication and changed behavior. You have to be able to openly be vulnerable with your partner, um, openly be, be able to talk about very difficult things, things that affect you. Oh, good. So good. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I'm thinking about for me the telltale sign of mothering someone versus growing with them is the mothering portion yeah if the mother calls you to find out where her son is mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. once or twice yeah he's not answering his phone we get it he's one he's not there if every day, no, guys, yeah, his mother, hey? Like, if the mother's now calling you 
to hold him accountable or to do or say some of the things that she would do as his mother. Mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. There is pleasure in being introduced to the parents yeah. as someone that the person you are dating is trying to build a relationship with. Yeah. But there's also a unspoken responsibility that can sometimes present itself when family or the parents expect you to help them raise their child and and i and i mean this like in no offense to any family you know i don't i don't think that i was a perfect child or that i came from a perfect family but I think that I am a very self-sufficient adult. Like, yeah. Anya, you won't see my mom calling other people and being like, where's Mpo? Yeah. Because I know when my mom calls, I need to answer. Yeah. And you won't see my mom calling people to be like, no, please tell Mpo to do this or this or this. Because my mom knows how to call me out on my bullshit. My mom doesn't care about my feelings. Yeah. She's made it very clear. She's like, I love your mom. <laughs> As a black person, me, I don't care about your feelings, you know. <laughs> like, you can cry if you want. You can kill yourself if you want. She's gone as far as to say that. She's and so that's why I think mental health in black families is not taken seriously. Because my mom's it's like, none. ah, you want to die. die. <laughs> At least I don't have to pay for your breathing. You're like an expensive person to live. <laughs> I can hear your mom <laughs> So... You know, as a woman, when you have to do that for your partner, I think yeah. you need to take a step back and say, really. how long is it going to take me and this person to get really. to the point where we are doing an exchange, where yeah. I'm putting in as much as they're putting in. Exactly. It's like you can help someone. You can help. There are women completely willing and able to do that. And kudos to them and, you know, gratitude to them. But I also think, that parents should be taking the time now to consider this. Like, am I raising a self-sufficient adult? Because it's not just about the person they get married to. It's about when you have passed on from this realm, can this individual continue to live without you? And if not, then you have done a service to this child. Yeah. You you have. Yeah, for real. Because, geez, man, as parents, you have such a huge, huge responsibility. You are in charge of molding someone you're in charge of molding someone's values principles belief systems so it's it's so important like you said as parents of today to take these things into account and equally teach both our boys and our girls how to be self-sufficient how to be self-aware um how to be self-loving as well and like you said, it's it's a lot. I mean, as a woman to have to mother it up, uh, your partner, it's a lot. Like, that's a lot of emotional energy that you're putting into this person that you're not getting back yourself. Who's taking care of you as well on an emotional level? Mm. Who's, who's supporting you? Like, where's, mm. where's the balance in that relationship? It's, it's a lot. And trying to... There's a difference between... Helping someone deal with their traumas and their their um, past experiences, and just also being a, a martyr, just 
being there for them mm-hmm. to react mm-hmm. from those experiences for, towards you. And you are there like, oh, no, it's okay. because mm-hmm. it's because you're like this, so it's fine. Making excuses for them as well. Uh-uh. It doesn't work. And that's why I said change behavior is very, very, no, it's a very it important aspect because that's where the growth is. Like, when you grow, you change. So if there's no growth, you're not changing. Mm. Um, but yeah, mothering is tiring, man. It is tiring. Oh, yeah. it, you did raise an no. important point when you said that sometimes you are introduced to their parents and their parents almost put this unspoken responsibility onto you like okay now why didn't you make why didn't you (laughs) it's actually crazy i had i was with someone and his mother asked me why i let him dress the way he was dressing it means that i don't love him and i was like excuse me where ma this boy comes out of your house your womb I was like, wait, what? How how does that translate to me loving him? Number one. Number two, your son is a grown ass man. He chose to wear this. I'm not about to tell him what he can and can't wear. He chose to wear this. <laughs> how is that how's that no ways? So yeah, it's very important, and I mm. and I see that in my mother too. Sometimes the way she she mothers uh, my brothers, um, when they don't, if they maybe missed out mm. on something, or they don't, or they don't wash the dishes, and it's like there's a point between helping somebody, like oh they forgot, no it's okay, I'll wash it for you, and a point where it's like no, they must come back and see what they did so that they don't do it again. But she always feels the need to just. Mm. Um, to, to her, it's helping them. She feels like she's helping them and she does it out of love. But mm. the way I see it, it's like you are not helping them because you are blocking them from growing. You're blocking them from learning how to do this themselves. Because mm. we can't we can't block people's growth as well. We need to be very aware of blocking people's growth in the name of helping. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's helping... And then there's also yes. disabling, Yes. you know, you can help to a certain point, but if you overextend that help, you will disable the person you're trying to help. Fully, fully, fully. Mm. You're making them incapable of learning mm. and knowing how to be self-sufficient themselves. Mm. Okay, so we're having this conversation in August. This is Women's Month in South Africa. What role do you think women who have never experienced gender-based violence can play in assisting those who are victims and survivors? If there's any women who don't experience gender-based violence in South Africa. That's a tough one because it can go two ways. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to get medical advice from someone who's not a doctor. So um, it might be difficult for women who have never experienced this to help mm-hmm. because they don't know what it feels like. But um, on the other side, it might help to have women who have a very strong sense of self-worth um, a very strong sense of self-awareness and who are 
also aware of the situation themselves because that is what needs to be taught in us women. As much as, um, yeah, in us women, we need to be taught how to be stronger for ourselves. We need to be taught um, how to recognize our self-worth, how to know when a situation is not right for us, how to um, listen to our intuition, because our intuition is, is powerful. <laughs> Everybody has powerful intuition, but a woman's intuition, mm -hmm. that it never fails you. It never, ever fails you. So learning how to trust yourself as a woman, um, listening to the red mm -hmm. flags. Mm -hmm. So I think having women who have a strong sense of self-worth and self-awareness will probably help women in these cases be able to identify or women who have not, who are still growing up, to be able to identify when something isn't right. So if somebody, um, like you said, raises their voice at you or talks down at you, that's not okay. Nobody should be able to do that. So it might help to have those sort of tips and um, mm. advice being given out from mm. women, I guess, who have not been in the situation. But like I said, it, it also might go the other way where they might not be able to relate to these women because they don't know what it feels like to be in a situation, which is then why we need to have women who have been empowered by these situations to then move forward because they understand exactly how it feels to be this person in the situation, to be where you are, wherever that is, whether that's self-hate stage, whether you're still stuck in this relationship, whether you're questioning yourself, whether you're in pain or you're hurting, they know exactly, they know the process, they know how it feels like to be where you are right now and what it's going to take to get to a better place. So many good points came out of that. Yeah. And I just wanted to add, I've seen it happen and I call myself out, out on it sometimes too. It is so important that when a victim has built the courage to yeah. one, share their story, and then two, seek help to not be yeah. judgmental, to not come from a place of trying yeah. to explain and victim blame and you should have, you could have, maybe if you had it's it's too much um i think for those who've never experienced gender-based violence and abuse so lucky so blessed so wonderful that you have lived a life untainted by such misery and it is my hope and greatest deepest desire that those people have enough love enough understanding to give to those who have experienced it you know it's like you can't speak on someone else's mm -hmm. struggle mm -hmm. you you just cannot and i see it happen on social media i see people trying to yeah. be like oh utandizindo you know oh yeah no oh. um oh. when there is a dead body I don't, it, the things that have happened in that dead body's life no longer matter. Like it's over. Like you can't arrest it. You can't, you know, 
yell at it or kill it any it, it's gone it's done so the least that we can do is offer mm. respect and sometimes respect is not coming from a high horse and trying to make everyone else feel like yeah well mm. that's what happens when you're stupid you know because some of those comments some of those um reactions give power to the abusers and they give Mm -hmm. other women who are going through this great fear to come forward you know it's like okay if I come forward too this is going to be the reaction like people are going to victim blame people are going to um label me and you know victimize me continuously so just come from a place of love like everywhere you go I just want so many people to give their love and to have love mm-hmm. and you if you have none to to give then maybe focus on self-healing and get yourself to a point where you can give it even at times where you don't think it needs to be given or things could have been done differently mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's also a very important topic to discuss maybe in another podcast of what it means. What, is, what does love actually mean to you? Because a lot of these acts are done out of love, hey? Like the, the person, the abuser thinks that they're doing it out of love and it might not be out of love. You think you're doing it out of love and it's, it's not love. That's not how love feels. That's not what love looks like. Um, and yeah, I, you know, if there's one wish I had for the world, it would be that judgment will be removed. Like, people stop being so judgmental from all aspects in life. Just stop being so judgmental. Like, whatever happens to this person in this person's life has nothing to do with you. You have to, you're there as an observer, as as an audience, as somebody there to learn and live through this person, but you have no right to judge anybody based on your own beliefs, based on what you think is right or wrong, based on your own internal system. It's like that's you have no place to do that, and um, yeah, and that's why it's 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 important to show compassion for people, um, and when you love yourself, you're able to see. The pain in other people. When you are aware of yourself, you're able to see the hurt in the words that people use, even if they're angry. And it's like you can, you you can tell. You're just there, like man. I want to give you a hug because you are just an angry ass child. <laughs> yeah, you got no love growing up. Like I'm sorry that this is the world that you live in because we all live in we live on the same planet, but we all live in different worlds. We all live in completely different worlds. So the world that people live in is is crazy. It's like, damn, I'm so sorry that this is the world that you live in. And here is my extension of love to you because I know how hard it's been to be an angry child all your life or how heavy it must be to to carry this pain and this burden. And and, and it's so important to take that power back too. And and that's why Mm -hmm. going back to the first initial she said why it's important to tell your story for the purpose of taking your power back so that the story no longer controls you. 
so good. So many good parts. My head is racing. <laughs> I've been talking for an hour, but I'm like, so many good parts. My head is racing. You bring up such a good conversation when you say there are so many different ways to love. Yeah. And we learn about positive love languages, but there's also negative love languages that people have learned and they have to reprogram and unlearn you know maybe for them putting your fists at people and stabbing and killing is a type of love language that they know they grew up experiencing and it's the only love language they know but you also bring up a good part when you say I look at people and I'm like how can you be so angry you probably need love. I like the fact that you use the term mm -hmm. child, like this child, why are you angry? Mm -hmm. Because I think there are adults who have grown up, but they have the yeah. children version of them inside. Mm -hmm. The inner child mm -hmm. still needs so much of that healing, yeah. so much of that love to bring them. What I, one of the things that I've been doing with my phobias and trying to get past them is talking to the inner child and saying, yeah. listen, we're no longer young. Snakes are not that scary for reals. Mm -hmm. They are a little bit <laughs> for reals, for real, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's okay to watch them on TV. They're not going to jump out at you and mm. strangle you. And you're not going to have bad dreams merely because you've watched something that had snakes in them. Yeah. But constantly rebuilding that relationship with your inner child and say, Hey, maybe I didn't learn love the right way. Mm. Are there some ways I can get better at this? Yeah. How can I move my negative love languages, transition them into positive love languages? Yeah. And I mean, a great way to look at it is, is think of your inner child as your actual child. How would you speak to your actual mm -hmm. child? So when you feel scared, think of think of that as think of that emotion as like your inner child telling you, like, man, I'm scared. And it's like, no, don't, it's okay. Like, let's do this. Like, how would you speak to your mm -hmm. inner child? How would you speak to yourself? Um, there's this really cool exercise that um, I saw or I heard of rather, where it's like sometimes go go to an old picture of yourself and then speak to yourself from the place you're at right now to that child that is you and what would you say what would you say to a, the younger you if your inner child was the child that you had how would you speak to that child when she's sad how would you talk to her when she's happy how would you treat her <laughs> you know when she just needs a hug and and you know when you just need a hug you know what do you how are you going to get that hug maybe go to your husband or Maybe you go hug someone else or, you know, maybe you just need to watch a movie, maybe. So it's like our inner children are actual children. Like they get happy, they get sad. They sometimes want too many sweets, you know, the days where we're craving <laughs> just a little too much and we have to be disciplined and like, uh-uh, that is going to actually hurt your health right now. <laughs> or, um, yes, let's have ice cream today. Why not? You know, it's like they're actual children with actual feelings. That's that's who you are. Mm -hmm. And your inner child, I don't think, ever grows up. That's mm -hmm. how I think we, we... I mean, okay, maybe they do, but they 
it's, it's like a, a youthful part of yourself that stays youthful. Yeah, and it's important to keep that youthful part of your life and be the mother you never had, be the father it you is, never had to is. yourself, um, the brother, the sister, the friend, the person that you needed growing up, the person you are right now. Mm-hmm. I think we have brought up so many good options towards the end of this conversation because my last question was going to be what do we what do you think we can do as a country to deal with the increasing rate of firmicide and it's self the answer is self you know Mm self-love self-awareness self-work self-consciousness self people need to confront themselves and deal with their bullshit like call yourself out on your bullshit like sometimes mm. i'm like oof poor like was that necessary you know <laughs> was that really necessary like let's just let's have a staff meeting you and i yeah. let's let's yeah talk about exactly <laughs> was it necessary like how could we have handled this better you know exactly. parent yourself I think that's what's been most frustrating about the pandemic and lockdown. No alcohol, no clubbing, no social gatherings. People have had to confront themselves and people have used so many techniques to confidently avoid themselves that COVID forced people to like be with themselves and they realize, ugh, maybe I don't like me as much as I thought I do, you know, yeah. and can someone open a bar so I can go drink and not have to deal with this? And it hurts. You know, initially when I started the journey with myself to look at where I was wrong, I think I was telling you, or maybe I was telling someone else. Now my narratives have had to change. When I tell stories about what has gone wrong in my life, I always take accountability for the parts Mm -hmm. that I was actively involved in why those stories went wrong. You know, I don't tell one-sided stories. I'm not like, yo, they did this and this and this. No, 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 no. I did this, which I believe was an appropriate reaction or may have been an appropriate Mm. reaction for something like this and this is why i think this take accountability and call yourself out on your bullshit yo (laughs) just do it yeah and don't forget to celebrate yourself also it's very important because i feel like we've gotten so comfortable with doing Mm -hmm. shadow work which is the whole healing Mm -hmm. and you know calling yourself Mm -hmm. out and yes it's very important to take accountability responsibility but also, man, like, celebrate yourself. Like, look how far you've come. Look how much you've survived. Look how much you've achieved for yourself. Look at the growth. So sometimes we grow so much, we forget to look back and be like, damn, I've actually yeah. grown a lot. Like, I'm actually not that mm. person anymore. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, mm. hey, okay. That's, you know, like, recognize when you, when you don't react the same anymore and you've actually... Um, you actually find yourself reacting better to a situation that you previously would have reacted totally without any thought, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, recognize those parts of yourself that have healed and that are stronger because that's, that's the foundation in which you're going to go on to the next phase of your life, to unpack the next layers of your life because 
when you unpack things you need to heal, it means that you're ready to do so. It means that you're in a very strong place for you to deal with those things because we, we couldn't deal with trauma in the past because we weren't mm. equipped to deal with it in the past. We weren't at that point in our lives to deal with it in the past. But now we are. We're stronger. We're more self-aware. We understand ourselves and the world we live in a little mm. bit better. And um, it's important to, to really, really celebrate how far you've come because that is the foundation for which the next phase of your life is going to be built upon. So don't forget to take the time to recognize yourself in a um, more positive and encouraging light as well. And yes, definitely don't forget to call yourself out in your bullshit. That's also part of self-love, calling yourself out. <laughs> like, listen, yo, like, you, you could have, like, you didn't have to shout. Like, you got the message, like, damn, girl. <laughs> That's also very, very important. But also from a place of love, you know? Not like, why did you do that? Like, you're so stupid. Like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. Like, those words, they really, they hurt you. Like, they really hurt the warrior within you. So watch how you speak to yourself. Words are very powerful because they translate into thoughts as well. Thoughts into uh, beliefs and stories. And watch the stories you tell yourself because that's the narrative you live by. That's, the, that's your chapter. That's what you keep writing about yourself right now. So it's going to keep playing out anyways. Um, and with what we can do in the country, man, I feel like this is, I feel like times like this where I think this is why I did psychology because maybe I should get involved in things like this. But like I said, it's, it's uh, we can start by community-based projects, I believe, where, um, we can we can have it's almost like a school of psychology <laughs> let me say or a school of growth or self-discovery where maybe kids do go to school to learn abcs but they also come to school to learn about self-awareness to learn about um, how to handle emotions when you're sad you don't go and cut yourself when you're sad you come and you speak to somebody and this is a space where you can, you can, we can talk about it. Like, how was your week? What happened at home? Um, how did that make you feel? You know, like a space more, I guess, and that's why we have psychiatrists and therapy sessions and things like that. But I think for a more, um, for the youth, for, some, for someone, for people to relate to the youth and I guess centers for men to feel more comfortable to go to. Because as Africans also, we weren't encouraged to go to AA meetings or, you know, things like that. Like, that's more westernized notions that we see on TV and movies. But I don't know how much of that is actually encouraged in Africa, in South Africa. Like, for men to go to centers to speak about their anger issues. Or to speak about, you know, anything that's really disturbing them in a group setting or privately. Um, I actually don't know how much of that is set up. We do have hotlines, we do have all these things, but I think encouraging those sorts of um, places should also, I think, I believe, would be a solution to um, assisting this whole gender-based violence and abuse mentality that we have. 
and normalizing vulnerability are the words that are on my mind yeah. right now just normalizing for sure. both for females you don't have to be that strong warrior all the time and yeah. for males too you don't have to be this kind of person all the time you can just be you and sometimes being human is the most powerful thing you can be on this planet that's also freedom being yourself is also that freedom taking the time to journey with us i just appreciate how you shared <laughs> genuine parts of yourself spoke from the heart and brought light to some thoughts that i had not even considered it's just been really really good i know the show's the episode's gonna be like an hour long at least <laughs> <laughs> a worthy hour <laughs> definitely a worthy hour thank you for taking the time I know it's, it's a bit late on your side um, <laughs> taking the time to <laughs> actually hear me out and for considering me I feel so honored to be a guest on your show it really it's a true true art and I'm, I'm really glad that our paths have crossed once more and to this beautiful place and to see you to this beautiful woman who um, is so gentle now I'm very gentle very um, you're still very sweet <laughs> you're still very sweet um, but the growth and the warrior and the woman that you're becoming and the, the battles that you've survived it's very um, it's very humbling to to hear about and experience and see so thank you Thank you so much. Thank you for starting this. This is a great podcast. And for allowing me into your journey. Thank you so much. And this is not the last time, you know, the audience will get to hear from you. I look forward to connecting with you in person when I do come to South Africa and sharing your many, many, many talents with the JWM family. <laughs> You're someone who I've definitely appreciated reconnecting with and going deeper into conversations like this and so much more. So again, thank you. And I want people to engage with you and in your content because I know you do other things on the side Kyla. you've got side hustles so <laughs> <laughs> this is the opportunity to plug yourself in let people know you know where they can find you and how they can consume your content and connect with you or connect with your content sure sure thank you um well, you can follow me on, on all social platforms at only, O-N-L-Y, underscore, gash, G-A-J. Um, and uh, I also have a series called Melisodes, in which I expressed everything me as an artist. But there's a lot more coming, a lot more of these kinds of co topics and conversations coming along as well. So stay tuned for that beautiful people <laughs> and um, otherwise social media is where you'll find me and that's where I'll be at mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and in person when I come to South Africa we'll do a video live stream <laughs> and in person definitely <laughs> a lot more to come there's a lot more content a lot of growth the journey hasn't ended it's about the journey not the destination <laughs> <laughs> like our high right? school um, banner just before we enter assembly said the elevator to success is broken use the stairwell like yeah yeah how crazy is it like i don't know if you also have flashbacks of little talks from assembly in high school oh my god i think this is why we're these kind of people having deep conversations at 10 to midnight for me <laughs> and 10 a.m in the morning for you people are like ah we need to drink why are they having these kind of conversations <laughs> Oh god, I keep having flashbacks of these little motivational speeches that we had, especially from Ms. Fonseo. Um, it keeps coming back to me like that. And I keep thinking of our song, like how inspiring was our school song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I keep thinking, I just recently wrote a poem about Mrs. Rangasamy. That I think you'll appreciate. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of flashbacks. Yeah, especially from conversations with teachers, Miss VJ, shout out to Miss VJ, Miss Reddy, even Miss Nigel. Like, I felt very connected to these women because they shared a bit of themselves with us. They really, and Miss Ragasami. And I'm sure there's more, but I know that off the top of my head, those were the ones that made uh, impression on me. Yeah, and Mr. Strout, we could never forget the memory Mr. making Strout. and documenting he did for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Mr. Weda, <laughs> Ms. Kibuka, <laughs> there's just so many. <laughs> there's so many. So, so, so many. Yeah. Sorry if we didn't listen to you back then, but you know. <laughs> We were hormone-raged kids. We listen now. Who didn't think school was cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, AWM family. Before we end the episode, Melissa and I are aware that this is a one-sided conversation focusing solely on the women and the abuse against them. It's Women's Month, so leave us alone. <laughs> On a serious note, though, I'm looking forward to inviting South African male voices to share their stories and experiences. Conversations like this are never truly wholesome unless both genders are invited. So be on the lookout for a continuation of conversations of this nature. But until then, Maholukwe, Kiotaba, Rwile, Aloha. Mm-hmm.